As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, February 12th, 2023. It's Super Bowl Sunday. And to bring us the latest in Super Bowl analysis is Buffalo Bills fan, Chris Gullo. Are the Bills going to win today? It's 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 a rough offseason so far, let's just say that. Is it, why is it a rough off season? What's happening with the be, Bills? Because as optimistic as I want to be, I am a little concerned about the Buffalo Bills Super Bowl window that it may have been, it may be closing if not closed. It's over with now. Give up. Um, are, are are you going to be a season ticket holder next year? I still haven't decided. Wow. Yeah. What do they have to do? What would it take for you to renew your season tickets? Um, stop time and not take up all my Sundays. <laughs> I'm a busy guy, Brandon. I need a little relaxation time, and uh, I don't get that when I go to Bill's games. You're waking up early. You're getting home, you know, six, seven, eight o'clock at night. And you are know. you doing anything interesting for the Super Bowl today? Uh, you would uh, probably appreciate this. My wife and I are going to make a bunch of like vegan uh, Super Bowl like appetizer things. It's just me and her, but uh, we're going to do some cauliflower wings, uh, lemon pepper, and teriyaki. Uh, I'm going to make vegan onion rings and uh, going to make a vegan spinach artichoke dip. And I made beet chips last night to dip into the These are all vegan. Spinach. Yeah, vegan, healthy, uh, non-processed. So like, you think you're better than other people, is that it? I do not. I'm just, just saying what I'm doing for the Super Bowl and how I live my life. <laughs> okay. Well, when, once Chris Cole gets off of his uh, high horse here, we will talk about wrestling. Uh, but first, the Super Bowl is this afternoon, this evening. Eastern time. Um, is it even? No, it's, it's all. Anyway. Uh, so the Super Bowl history of the uh, last 10 years of, uh, of Super Bowl ratings are here in a chart on the screen now for people watching in video. Um, did you know that the, the most watched Super Bowl, eh, I mean, this is ambiguous. We could argue about what, what it, that, that most watched means. But the most watched Super Bowl, um, I, I didn't break this down to the nearest 100,000, but it's, it's, it's roughly tied. When you, when you add in... The traditional linear English language broadcast viewership plus a controversial emerging issue in Nielsen measurement, the out-of-home viewing that's been baked in in later years, not baked in at all in I think 2017 and prior there was no out-of-home for this measurement. Anyway, and then there's Spanish language viewership and then there's just streaming viewership, all this in the U.S., right? Anyway, there's a virtual, a virtual tie when you add all those numbers up between the 2020 Super Bowl and the 2018 Super Bowl, roughly 118 million viewers, if I've done my math right, data courtesy of sportsmediawatch.com. Um, 
So the rating has been much higher, the rating being a percentage of the people who could have watched, right? I think the, the peak for the rating was in the 80s. I think one of the Bengals and um, 49ers Super Bowls back in the, in the 80s. Um, but as far as the number of viewers, because the number of people in the United States has increased since the 80s, uh, the most watched – and this is probably the most watched telecast of all time, right? Because I don't think any, anything has come close to the Super Bowl. Uh, 2018 and 2020. So Mike Mulvihill, uh, according to Sports Business Journal, has predicted that this is going to be the most watched Super Bowl ever this afternoon, this evening, whatever you want to call it. Between the Chiefs, not the Bills, the Chiefs and the Eagles. So um, is, 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 is that true? Is it going to be when you add all the – they're going to add the streaming – up to it. Uh, you can watch this on the Fox Sports app for free. You don't have to have a cable login, I don't think, at, at all. Because um, I watched the, some of the World Series that way, too. Uh, is this going to break 118 million? Up to 120 million, maybe? Um, I mean, I, I think it can be. You know, you've got two very popular teams, uh, some big headliner names. I mean, Pat Mahomes. You know, Jalen Hurts has become a superstar, and uh, the Kelsey brothers facing each other. There's storylines, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Are the Kelsey the brothers going to be going to be? Uh, is one on offense, one on defense? Yes. So they could actually tackle. They could actually make physical contact with each yeah. other. Yeah, I believe so. I, I'm like 90 percent sure Jason Kelsey plays on defense. <laughs> like, yeah. and the other one's a tight end. Right? Yes. Yeah. So anyway, uh, if you want to participate with a question or comment, you can do the super chat if you're watching live on YouTube. Um, Big news in, in the world of, of WrestleOmics, originally reported by Andrew Zarian. We missed this. This was tweeted by Andrew Zarian way back on January 30th, almost two weeks ago, um, where Andrew Zarian said that he had spoken to a source close to the Peacock data. I, lo- I love when people are close to data. And he says, this year's Royal Rumble had 2 million viewers domestically. 2 million viewers. Got to take a deep breath and think about what the word viewers means. But we'll get into all of that. Um, as we remember, WWE put out a press release and apparently this, this infographic talking about what a success Royal Rumble was in terms of engagement, ticket sales, merchandise sales, all that stuff. Um, now, Peacock, we should keep in mind, this is the number of subscribers Peacock has. Peacock in Q4, Comcast reported that they had 20 million subscribers to Peacock at the end of Q4. That's double. That's more than double the 9 million that they had in the Q4 of 2021. So keep in mind, we're going to talk about the difference in year-over-year rumble, let's call it engagement, which is 52%. So the number of unique accounts is what this 2, two million number is. We're watching on, now this is just US, that's where Peacock is available. 2 million unique accounts. So that's up 52%. From the prior year's Rumble, according to WWE's own statements that they put, I believe, in press releases, and I'm sure they mentioned it in the earnings call, this Royal Rumble was 52% more watched, they say, than last year's Royal Rumble. So everybody wants to say that you can learn all the algebra in high school you want, and you'll never put it to use. Well, they're wrong, because today I used algebra, and I determined, actually a couple days ago, I determined that um, 1.3 million would be the number for the Royal Rumble in 2022. I should have said at the open too. So I've confirmed that this this is this two million number is accurate. Um, so I can I can confirm Andrew Zarian's report there. Um, 
And just doing the math, we can figure out that 1.3 would be the, the number for the prior year's rumble in 2022. So this is not the same as traditional TV viewership that we talk about. Raw did X number of viewers. SmackDown did X number of viewers. We'll, we'll get in, into how they're different in a moment. Um, <clears throat> and to put this in some additional perspective, WWE reported when they were talking about Royal Rumble in 2022 last year, they said that that Royal Rumble was almost 45% more watched than the Royal Rumble of 2020. They wanted to talk for some reason. They wanted to talk about the last rumble in front of fans because the rumble in 21 had no fans. That was still COVID era. I believe Thunderdome by that, that point. So assuming this is apples to apples, which is a, which is a significant assumption then that would mean that that Royal Rumble in 2020 had 900,000 um, unique accounts watching. So um, what does any of this mean? Well, that is, I've been told, live plus same day. So that is, so it's not just 2 million unique accounts who watched it any time between Saturday and a week from then or Saturday and now, but watched it live or same day. So that's... That's good because when we talk about TV ratings, we, we're always talking about live plus, plus same day in our, in our reporting, in WrestleNomics reporting, and most wrestling news sites reporting. Basically, everybody's talking about live plus same day viewership. Um, the DVR data is, is in the Nielsen databases. We rarely talk about that. I think, I think Wade Keller reports that data at least sometimes. But everybody else is talking about live plus same day. So when we say SmackDown two Fridays ago was watched by 2.384 million viewers. We're talking about the live plus same day number of people, number of people watching SmackDown. Same for, for Raw, same for Dynamite, NXT, Rampage, etc. That's all live plus same day, but that's the number of people watching. The 2 million unique accounts, who knows how many people that represents. I would imagine that represents more than one person you know, it means basically, certainly it represents on average more than one person. Um, we could just take a wild guess at it and say, I don't know, let's say the average is 1.5 people or the average is 1.75 people. Who knows? So more than 2 million people are watching Royal Rumble as it happens live or same day on Peacock. However, watching how much of it. Some part is what I've, I've been told. They're watching at least some part. So this is not the way that Nielsen measures Raw and SmackDown and other programs. The Raw and SmackDown numbers are an average of basically the minute-by-minute -minute viewership. Basically, when, when, when we say that Raw was watched on Monday by 1.866 million viewers, 1.866 million viewers, that means if you took uh, a, a random minute, then you would find about 1.866 million viewers. It's basically, you take all 180 minutes of Raw, or in the case of SmackDown, you take all 120 minutes of SmackDown, you average up the viewership by, by the minute, and that's the result that you get is 1.8866 million for Raw, 2.384 million for SmackDown. That's not what this number is. It's 2 million unique accounts who watched at least some part of the Royal Rumble live or same day. How many people actually watched it? If we could, you know, get a like, which we don't have here, we're not going to be able to figure it out with any kind of certainty what the number of people were watching Royal Rumble Live Plus same day. I'd imagine it's close to 2 million, though, because we have two, two factors which are offsetting here, which is 
There's more than one person on average watching per account. And so that's a, that, that should make this number more than 2 million. But what's going to make the number less is that um, this is not a minute-by-minute minute average. This is a who knows how much they had to watch. A few seconds maybe? I don't know. I don't know what, what the requirement is. And, and we should mention too, these are two different authors, if you will, of, of this data. The TV viewership data that we talk about all the time is Nielsen data. This number from Peacock is measured by Peacock. And and maybe some vendors that they're using, but not Nielsen. Um, I mean, just to put anything in perspective, I did some research, uh, you know, and you know, this the streaming era, you know, compared to the pay per view era, the most pay per view buys they ever had for a Royal Rumble was two thousand two with six hundred seventy thousand. I'm glad That's, you mentioned that. Yeah. So, um, I, I want to talk about like what this number means in some context. It's, it's we're going to be comparing apples to oranges here. I know. You can, you can yell at us in the comments if you want, but, and we'll, we will hopefully present it as such, right? So if we look back at the, at the W network, what did the W network peak at Chris Gull? What, what were the most subscribers the network ever had? You're muted. Uh, it was like about 1.1 million in the U S it got up to 1.3 million. Okay. In Q2 2018, the peak is, is for WrestleMania 2018. Um, which we actually don't have in this day. We have we have the averages that they reported by quarter, and the high point was Q2 2018. They had 1.8 million total, including international, but they had 1.3 million in the U.S. Okay. And we're going to focus on U.S. right now because the Peacock number is U.S. It doesn't include international, where where people are watching still on the network directly in some regions. They're watching on binge in in, in Australia and. Uh, I think Sony Live in India and, and all these different distributors across the country where they've licensed the W Network content. But we know that the network had um, in Q1 2020 when maybe, you know, nine, where is it? Maybe 900,000 people were watching the Rumble live plus same day. I mean, that that's plausible. I mean, that's less than the 1.05 million subscribers that W reported on average, a daily average. For Q1 2020. So that's that's possible. Um, so, you, you know, not all subscribers are watching the Rumble Live the same day, but maybe, you know, that's that's roughly 90 percent of them would be. That's I, I, I can believe that, I guess, that 90 percent of the people who are taking the time and the money to subscribe to the W Network are actually taking the time to to watch it live plus same day or someone that they're sharing their account with, uh, perhaps. So. So that's believable, I suppose. And then if we say, well, at the peak, at the peak it, it, in Q2 2018, there were in the U.S. about 1.3 million subscribers. So that's – all of this is is less than the distribution, the reach that they're achieving here on, on Peacock with Peacocks now in, in the, as of the end of Q4, 20 million subscribers right? versus just over 1 million subscribers for, for the W Network in, in the direct-to-consumer days. And you compare that to the pay-per-view buys, and you said that the peak for 2002, the most buys ever was what? Six hundred seventy thousand. Who reported that? Uh, I mean, I mean, that, that was getting this data from. I, I just did some research, looked up highest-grossing room. It was it was on a multiple list. Uh, I'm assuming it was probably reported in the Observer, but I've, I've heard that there's even a website called Russellomics.com where you can look this information up. <laughs> I didn't know you went. I didn't know you went back that far. <laughs> Perhaps the, the, the most visited page on all of Russellonics.com is 
the, the WWE slash WF pay-per-view buys page, I think. Um, and so is that, so what number? 670,000. That's domestic? Two, 2002, yeah. Domestic or total? I think that's total pay-per-view buys. That makes, highest that grossing, sense. yeah. Because we got here, the, what I've got here on the screen are the last three pay-per-views. The last three Royal Rumbles where pay-per-view was the exclusive option, right? And it did, in U.S. and Canada, 337,000, 364, 299. So around or over 300,000. Um, that's, you might, might think of that as households who are almost all probably watching live plus same day. I know there's late buys that would not be live plus same day, but I would think the vast majority are live plus same day. So you go from back in the pre net, yeah, the pre network era of, you know, let's, let's call it 350,000 US Canada to just the US. We've got like 2 million households watching at least some part of the Rumble. That's, that's like uh, three times, that's like six times the amount of people watching. Well, something like that. It's three times the amount of reach. I want to be careful with, with the, the words that I'm using because these are, these, are different, uh, these are different fruits that we're talking about here. So that's interesting to know. And, and this, is, this is big to me because we've been sitting here really since the beginning of the network era. And we've known the subscriber numbers, like those that we have on the screen now, but we've had no idea what the viewership numbers are like. Um, you know, we've heard things like NXT is the most watched weekly show on the W Network, and and W has for a couple of years now been been giving these percentage deltas, which of course are up because the subscribers for Peacock have continued to grow. Um, but we've never known how many people are actually watching, and how does that compare to things like how many people were watching on pay per view, and how many people were are watching the weekly TV show. And this is our first glimpse into that, despite the fact that we are talking about different ways of measuring. This is not viewership, again, this is not viewership in the way that the Raw and SmackDown viewership that we talk about is viewership. These are the number of unique accounts watching at least some part uh, of, of the program. So, yeah, when we've gotten a little bit of data from, from Peacock, now this might even be measured differently. But Peacock has reported on, on their NBC Sports PR Twitter account. They, they have been tweeting out occasional numbers for how Premier League is doing, including Peacock viewership. And they've been reporting, the, they've got these two 2023 numbers out here for two, uh, two Premier League games so far this year that have done 1.9 million and 1.5 million viewers. Um, and that's across linear and digital. So that's not just, it's not just peacock so that's interesting to know as we get into this more fragmented media consumption ecosystem where people are consuming the same media on multiple different platforms whether that's traditional tv whether that's subs subscription streaming and so forth so i think that's uh i think that's that's the gist of it um i we don't know we can't determine from these numbers like what WrestleMania did last year. I can't determine any, though, though we do have percentage deltas on, on all of these pay-per-views. These are percentage deltas, percentage differences comparing the given pay-per-view of the given name versus the pay-per-view of the prior year of the same name. So we have WrestleMania is X percent higher in this year versus last year, WrestleMania. And we have Money in the Bank is X percent more watched than Money in the Bank last year and so on. So I can't extrapolate beyond... Royal Rumble. 
Um, I have one more question before we move on. So if it's doing 2 million viewers, that means a PLE is doing about 10% of the, the total, like it's doing uh, 2 million accounts. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean to be, um, uh, pedantic for the sake of it, but just so people don't get confused here, this is 2 million unique accounts, which is maybe 2 million viewers, maybe somewhere around there. Um, but you'd say roughly around like 10% of, uh, of total Peacock uh, subscribers. Yeah. And I, I wonder, and it's going to be a few years before we even talk about it, but when the streaming rights negotiations come up, like for the library and all that, right. uh, it, it makes it more enticing if it's doing that much of a chunk. Yeah. I know the Super Bowl aired on Peacock last year, right? Cause we were just talking about that off air. NBC did air the, the Super Bowl last year. I would think the percent, I don't know, I guess, I don't know. But, but then again, no, I might be wrong with that. I was gonna, I was gonna say the Super Bowl might be, there might be a higher percentage of accounts that are watching the Super Bowl versus the Royal Rumble, but the Super Bowl is on free over the air TV, and the Royal Rumble is the Peacock is the only place in the United States to watch the Royal Rumble. So yeah, I don't know. It's um, whatever. I mean, it, yeah, it'll probably be a part of an argument to say, hey, we're providing great value for you here. Um, pay us for that great value, you know. Or if we have to go somewhere else, say, look, we, we provide a great value to Peacock and we could provide great, great value to you. Um, but yeah, that, that, I hadn't thought of that. That's it's 10%, roughly 10%. Who knows what the, what the percent, what, what the number of Peacock subscribers was on January. Was it, what day was the Royal Rumble? Whatever the 28th, 29th, yeah. whatever it was. Um, but probably about 20 million, not much more than 20 million, probably not much less. So yeah, it's just 10% of all Peacock subscribers were watching. Of, of all yeah, accounts, we're watching the Royal Rumble. And you have to be a paid account to watch the Royal Rumble. With that being said, let's ask a super chat here. Uh, MJ says, did Peacock overpay for WWE based on, this K- on these KPIs? How much is NBC Universal paying WWE for, for Peacock? Do you remember, Chris Call? Uh, is it 205? 200. 200, okay. 205 is SmackDown on Fox. Okay. $205 million per year average annual value over five years. Billion dollar deal. Um, I don't know. It's what, – what, what is the answer to this question? Like what, what, what number should you want based on 200, what, you know, $200 million um, a year? First of all, I would want to know – to answer this question, I would want to know. I would want all the data, please. I would like to know more than just what two Royal Rumbles did for Peacock. <laughs> um, but – it's all these streaming businesses, which MJ from MJ is becoming increasingly skeptical towards, um, are, 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 are an investment. And you might say a gamble. There are risks to see if this is going to pay off someday. And it's, it's a defense against the decline of pay, pay TV and cable, which Comcast is deeply invested in. That's why they acquired NBC Universal. And to see, is, is this going to pay off someday in terms of helping Comcast get more profitability than they would otherwise. Um, I don't know. Did they overpay for this? I mean, they're certainly in, in, in this time frame, they're not making back $200 million a year on WWE content. I can't. Let's see. If we say 10% of, of Peacock subscribership, and we don't know what the breakdown is as far as $5 subscribers versus $10 subscribers, Let's let's guess that the that the average the ARPU yeah, the average uh, sub is paying like I don't know let's say six dollars 
and we have 2 million accounts that are paying $6. So we get 12 million per month. And let's, this is a very rough extrapolation here, but we multiply that by 12 months and we get $144 million. That's almost, I mean, and not, we're not including whatever ad revenue they're making by presumably sharing it with WWE uh, for the, for the ads that are airing either during pay-per-views like this one or, or during the library content with the, the dynamic inserts. So maybe they're making it back. I mean, I don't know how you would calculate that. I'd have to give it a lot more thought because obviously there's a ton of other content that you have to, you can't give W sole credit for 100% of the sub value here, right? That doesn't make a lot of sense. So I don't know. But anyway, moving on to another so another subject, which is, um, speaking of viewership, SmackDown on Fox. So we had a, a question uh, from Delmar, one of our subscribers, who uh, who's always asking us demo questions. But he did ask a, a very good question uh, on the Patreon, and I, to I told him I would deal with it on Sunday. And his question was, have we ever discussed what programming Fox airs on primetime? through Mondays and Thursdays and how SmackDown is and how those programs are performing compared to SmackDown and whether or not that drives Fox to give W a big increase in rights fees, especially with the network seeing bigger year over year decreases than ABC, CBS and NBC. So what I did, um, we'll talk about that in a minute, I guess. But what I did was I took all of the, um, all of the data, this is from Showbuzz. I took all of the broadcast primetime data from, I didn't do CW here. CW got snubbed. Their, their viewership is much, much lower. But I did ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC. And I took all of the, the trailing 365 days. So this is from February 9th to, uh, of last year to February 8th of, the, of this year. That's 365 days, the latest 365 days that we have. Again, this data from Showbuzz. Via Nielsen. And what we found was I, I, I broke this down by Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I didn't deal with Saturday and Sunday. Fortunately, Delmar did not ask us about Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday is messier to, to, to parse. First of all, I'm using OCRs that OCR uh, reads that can get a little messy. And besides that, on Sunday, we have tons of NFL viewership that messes this up and, and morning broadcasts and things like that. So weekday primetime is much more easy to look at. And that's what we're looking at here. I think that's pertinent to the question, right? Because we're not talking about weekend programming here. Uh, we're talking about weekday primetime programming like SmackDown. And how does it compare to other shows that Fox airs in primetime? How does that compare to other shows that these other major broadcast networks air in primetime? And the answer is, um, the answer is Fox on Friday does really well with SmackDown compared to other networks and compared to what Fox does on other nights of the week. So if we look at the demo, which is where these broadcast networks get the majority of their revenue from, I believe, because they're, they're not charging carriage fees to the same degree that cable networks are because they're, they, they're available over the air. The cable bundle is not the exclusive place to get access to broadcast. So they're not charging as much for subscriber fees or carriage fees or affiliate fees, whatever you want to call it. So they're relying more on ad revenue, meaning it's more relevant to look at the demos here. P18 to 49, and we'll look at the younger half. P18 to, to, yeah, to 34, young adults. And there's one night of the week that Fox wins on average. What night is that, Chris Cole? As he unmutes himself. Uh, and yeah, th th that would be Fridays. Friday. 
They don't win it in total viewership. Oh, no. 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 I, I excluded the, the three weeks where SmackDown is preempted and in its place is much more highly viewed World Series and Pac-12 football games. So there's like three weeks that I had to exclude here. So we're only looking at SmackDown numbers here for the Friday Fox cells here. And, you know, they do about 2.2 million viewers on average, which is lower than what um, what Fox does on Wednesday, lower than what Fox does on Monday. It's lower than what any of the other broadcasts, what the other three big broadcast networks do on Friday. But in the demo, the demo that matters – in 1834 and 1849, Fox on Friday does a .53, which is better than any other night of the week on average, on average. Now, there might be programs that are more highly rated on average than, than SmackDown, but they're not running 52 weeks a year. Therefore, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are, are less highly viewed in the demo than Friday is, where SmackDown is delivering 50 weeks out of the year or 49 weeks out of the year. Um, and if you look at SmackDown against the other networks, as we kind of know, if, if you've been studying the ratings, you know that SmackDown is, is often number one overall. It's beating Shark Tank on ABC on Friday. It's beating CBS, which, I, which is airing. I don't know what they're airing. It's beating, um, you know what they're airing is Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods is on CBS at 10. That's, that doesn't go against, that doesn't go against SmackDown though. But anyway, and they're beating, I think 2020 is airing on NBC. So younger viewership, Fox is winning on Friday. In both 18 to 49, and it's a similar story in 18 to 34. What does this mean? Yes, we were going to say. I just have to ask about ABC on Monday nights. Is that like the simulcast of Monday Night Football or something? Like, what am I missing there with that? Like, that's a huge rating. Yeah, I should have the um, Google that, and we'll see who can. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll open the uh, the spreadsheet. Um, it's I'm sure it's some like reality show or something like that. Um, so if I get in here and we open this up, uh, we have some NBA games that are, that are pulling that average way up. Some NBA finals, uh, some Monday night football simulcasts, Stanley cup. Yeah. It's, it's, it's being pulled up a lot by Monday night football, by the NBA finals. Um, some winter Olympics are in here. Does that make sense? That must be wrong. I must be mixing in some, uh, NBC misreads. But that's I think that's only in, in 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 a few cases there. But anyway, it's it's sports that's pulling pulling that way up, I think. Um so anyway. Does what does this mean for for uh Fox's ability or SmackDown's ability to negotiate favorably with Fox? I would I mean reading that and who knows how uh how it will be negotiated or what, what Fox is thinking, but, and who knows what the ad rates are just because you have higher viewership, even in the demo doesn't necessarily mean that your ad rates are better than something else, especially if wrestling is perceived to have, you know, crummy, crummy demo quality where people don't have a lot of disposable income, which maybe it does, especially compared to, uh, some, some finer programming in the world. Um, but I would think that's, that's an argument for, for WWE to, to bring to Fox or to bring to any other potential suitor of SmackDown to say, hey, look, there's one night of the week that Fox wins, and that's our night. That's because of us. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to replace us that's going to provide similar value? 50, 52 weeks, 50 weeks a year. Um, the answer is at least not obvious. So I, this is, this is a, a, a point in favor of SmackDown to go in contrast to the, the points that we've raised in the past, the, the analysis that was done by Morgan Stanley a few months ago, showing that the money being spent on SmackDown, $200 million a year, $205 million a year, is not being made back. 
at, at least in the short term, is not being directly made back. Even when you add in on top of ad revenue, some subscriber revenue as well, some some proportion of subscriber revenue that is proportionate to the percentage of ad revenue that SmackDown is contributing, SmackDown still doesn't pay for itself. So you've got to justify that SmackDown is adding something to your network that is so valuable that it's it, that it's that it's paying for itself. That it's you know we're we're promoting other Fox shows during uh, during SmackDown and that's helping that viewership. Uh, or maybe it's or maybe you have to make an argument that it that SmackDown is actually justifying a larger percentage of its of of the subscriber revenue that Fox is getting. I think the argument. Fox can make or even another network is is that yes you do great on Fridays but that's the death slot that's usually where programs are on their way to get canceled go very strong yeah it's not it's not strong competition by the way the bachelor is airing on Monday nights right now and the good doctor so on ABC so I know the bachelor has traditionally done great ratings for them but yeah yeah the, the competition is weaker you know, back back in the day when I guest co-hosted our WrestleNomics, we looked at kind of how weak the Friday night competition was when they announced SmackDown was coming on Fridays. And I'm like, yeah, it, so Friday traditionally is, isn't no, a good night. Oh, TV. you're winning Friday? No big deal. You still suck, WWE. You're only beating I, a bunch of chumps. You're beating Mark Cuban in the Shark Tank. <laughs> Who cares, right? Well, I think an argument could be made was, yes, you're the highest program on, on Friday night, but let's put you on – yeah. Monday or Thursday. Oh man, Thursday they get NBC. Man, NBC's on Thursday for twenty years. You're, you're not going against the first string offense here. Yeah, you're 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 going against a slot that's honestly designated towards P fifty plus because eighteen to forty nine they're out on Friday night. They're out at dinner. They're out at events. You're going at look at, at programming that's P fifty plus kind of oriented. Unless you're a wrestling fan, and then you have no life, right? Is that what, how it works? Um, but anyway, um. as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. By the way, we'll do a plug in the middle here. Patreon.com slash WrestleNomics where you get access to I did a AW financial estimate this past week. We talked about it on Thursday. We did um, – I, I made an argument that I'm not convinced that W is actually going to sell. If I had to bet on it right now, I would guess that. I would bet that W does not sell. And I also did, like I said, a, a, a financial estimate. I did an update to my model if you care about stuff like that where I've done the financial estimate through 2025. That is behind the paywall for subscribers only um, where you can also get my TV ratings reports including the quarter hour reports which is the only place to get the WWE quarter hours as well as you can also get the AW quarter hours for Dynamite and Rampage. And again, we talked about all that stuff, the quarter hours, the W stock price article, 
and the number of households that cable networks are in for 127 cable networks. That report is also behind the podcast in addition to the WrestleNomics 30 podcast that we did exclusively for subscribers. But, um, but anyway, moving on to, uh, to other stuff here, we've got um, another question from another subscriber uh, who asked, Eric asked us uh, this question. I can find it here. Uh, Eric asked us, can you please explain what the pre- the appreciable difference is between Comcast airing so much WWE content on NBCU and on Peacock and owning the company outright? They, Comcast and NBCU, are, are already closely affiliated with WWE, which brings bad Vince Press headaches, but also is propping up USA and possibly Peacock. So, Gallo, wh- why? I think the, the core of the question here is, NBCU slash Comcast is already deeply, deeply invested in, in WWE. They're already deeply associated with WWE and Vince. So why, why wouldn't they just want to own it? Why is that a problem? Why is that association a problem for ownership, maybe, and not a problem for licensing content fees, licensing content? Because uh, you're in operation, so every little move, every little press, every little thing that's that's on you. And maybe NBC Comcast doesn't want to run a wrestling promotion and everything that comes with it. You, know, you and I—they're already broadcasting it. Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough of an association? Yeah, but if 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 I mean, they could always cancel a program too. <laughs> you know, not Can that they, they would. I don't know. I don't know what the, what, what the terms are of their contract. Yeah. Maybe, maybe MLW will will get to discovery uh, in September. Yeah. We'll find out. But um. I, I would think it's 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 the it's a deeper identity and and brand association when you think about doing business with Comcast and NBCU you're associating with all of the brands that they own which are you know Universal Studios NBC USA Network Peacock Philadelphia Flyers right and that that becomes part of your identity and responsibility, which is a deeper responsibility than just being, being the media broadcaster and harborer of Vince McMahon's wrestling content. Um, so I, I think that that plays into it. And, and it, it probably brings up a, a situation where if you're, if you're doing business with Comcast, NBCU, they, maybe they become part of their description is the wrestling company and, and the associations that may be negative that come with the history of, of of Vince and his various scandals yeah. and maybe other scandals that we don't know about. And we, you know, and we remembered uh, how much Turner executives didn't like owning WCW, like a lot of, you know, the higher ups in Turner. And I mean, I don't know how many long life wrestling fans are in the Comcast higher ups too. I mean, wrestling at the end of the day, yes, it could be a business, good business idea, but you kind of almost got to have a passion for it to really want to invest in it. Do you think that perception has now you're talking about Turner in yes. 2001 at the yes. latest, and according to my clock, it is 2023, 22 years later, has that hatred and disdain for wrestling, has that diminished in the last 22 years? Um, probably not in some people. I, I think. I think a little bit, but I, I feel like there's still, I mean, I still get the, oh, you watch the fake stuff or, oh, you know, that's all like you. I still hear that from people. Like, oh, you cover that? What's there to cover? <laughs> you know, like, it's people just don't. You get in their faces when they say that. <laughs> but just people just like, there's still a stigma about pro wrestling. And I mean, you know, we, we talked about that with Brian Roberts. Maybe he has that stigma about pro wrestling. 
I, th- I think there's among younger people, I think there's a greater acceptance of wrestling because we have, because we have the generations of people who grew up in the Hulkamania era and in the nineties, Monday night war era where wrestling was very popular. And a lot of those people are, are what in their, in their late thirties and some, some in their, in their mid forties and they grew up as fans and, and that generation I think has not all of them, but some of them have a greater affinity and maybe even leniency for, for wrestling. So I think there's still a lot of that, but I think there's also some, a group of people who are not automatically negative about it and who do, do tend to have an affinity for it. But, but wrestling is still, um, dumb fake sport that people often laugh at and don't think highly and th- view it as lowbrow content. And in a lot of cases, based on the history of wrestling in, in, in recent years is justified and the stories behind the scenes certainly aid in that perception. And the people in power in wrestling are the ones who are responsible for keeping that perception that way more than think of everything you inherit too. when, if you're Comcast and you buy WWE, you inherit all the talks of, Oh, should there be, should the, the wrestlers be employees? Should there be a union? You inherit obviously all the stuff that Vince did in the past, you inherit the Hulk Hogan, you know, uh, scandal in the aspect of like now, if Hulk Hogan appears in your TV and you own it and people say, Hey, Hulk Hogan, the, the, the finger poke made what some, what are you talking about here? Hulk Hogan's racist remarks. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, it, it, like you inherit all that as, and, and now you own that. Do they want to deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it is a deeper association than just renting the content. Um, Although the, the W logo does fit very well between Comcast and NBC Universal, if they did want to to uh, update the, the headquarters there in Philadelphia, um, but anyway, I know we we skipped over it a moment ago. Um, if we go back to a few slides back, um, the SmackDown rating for this past Friday, uh, two nights ago from when we're recording right now, looks like it did about two point five million viewers based on the Fast Affiliate, um, which is pretty high for for smackdown it would be almost as high as the two weeks ago really high rating which was the night before the rumble which i was surprised it was as high as it was which was almost as high as that john cena december 30th episode where you know john cena we've been told is the only person who can draw um john correct me if i'm wrong john cena has not been on was not on friday night's SmackDown was not on SmackDown the week before the week before that, um, where SmackDown has continued to do pretty strong ratings here. Um, now, is the show really great? Uh, if we look at cage match event ratings for some impression of the reception of this show among some, you know, some smart fans, the nerd fans who, who supposedly go on uh, cagematch.net and, and rate these shows, SmackDown is not being highly rated right now by those fans, at least. Uh, it may be slightly different from, from what we have on the screen. I pulled this last night. So if it's changed since last night, uh, this is not, not as up to date, but it's probably almost exactly what it is, if not exactly. And SmackDown is averaging right now through two episodes of 5.9, which it would be its lowest since Triple H took over creative uh raw is is holding up at about a seven what are you, what are you doing are you bouncing what are you you, you you're grooving to some music here what's happening here um but anyway, I'm, a, I'm a hyper guy what can i say raw is holding up fine it seems according to these ratings 
SmackDown is on the decline, in fact, since November in terms of the event ratings that it's getting from the cage match inmates. Uh, nonetheless, and, and by the way, let's okay, let's talk about AEW. AEW's having its it's having a 9.1 average right now. Now that's only through how many Wednesdays have there been in in, uh, in February? There have been two Wednesdays, the first and the eighth. So that's two episodes. But uh, you know, SmackDown, I mean, uh, Dynamite is is on the increase here. We've got you know three consecutive months of uh, of higher event ratings. So according to the inmates, Dynamite is is been getting better and better in each of the last few months. But Rampage is more eh, more more flat, more in the range of a six or a seven. Um, so that's what's happening as far as the perceived quality of these shows with super wrestling fans. Um, now, while, while SmackDown may be decreasing in quality in the opinion of, of these voters, the rating continues to show a, a really positive trend here. Um, we are in, in a time of increased popularity, even on a year-over-year basis. It's not just the seasonality. It's not just the WrestleMania season. SmackDown ratings in February – are averaging like, a, you know, if, if this rating turns out to be what it seems it's going to be, they're going to be averaging something like a 2.3 or 2.3 and a half million viewer average for February. They were averaging uh, under 2.2 million viewers for, for last year's February. So WrestleMania season against WrestleMania season, SmackDown is doing better. I believe Raw is doing better as well. Um, was there... Something that was especially interesting on SmackDown, we obviously don't have the actual final rating. That'll come out on Monday. But this is our projection of it based on what the Fast Affiliate says and the consistent differences between the Fast Affiliate and the final. But anyway, obviously we don't have core hours either, but we do have YouTube. Uh, the number one YouTube clip on WWE's channel is a, a video titled Sami Zayn Acknowledges Jay Uso. That's got nearly 900,000 views as of this morning. The Usos defend the tag titles against Strowman and Ricochet is number two. Jay Uso is unsure where he stands in the bloodline is number three. Sami Zayn rattles Paul Heyman is number four. We got a Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, Shotzi and Natalia video at number five. And then a, a Roman Reigns requests the Usos not show up at Elimination Chamber at number six. And then number seven is Paul Heyman and Jimmy Uso. So a lot of Usos and Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn and Sami Zayn. Um, are you ready for, for the argument that, hey, look, Roman Reigns is not a draw. He was finally a draw because of Sami Zayn. Are you ready for that argument? Uh, brace yourself. So this, I will say in seriousness, this, this storyline between Reigns, Bloodline, Sami Zayn is obviously working well. And it is resulting in higher ratings for, for SmackDown. Um, oh, here's the, here's the numbers that I wanted to talk about. Where you've got SmackDown up 10% year over year in February, up 5% year over year in January. Um, and it really, I mean, for SmackDown especially, if we go back to September, since September, year-for-year differences have been positive against the declining linear bundle, against the decline in the fall and the death of pay TV. Nobody's watching linear TV. Nobody's watching broadcast. Nonetheless, SmackDown has been up one, two, three, four, five, and is currently on its sixth month of increases year over year. That means it's not a Wrestlemania, it's not a WrestleMania season thing. This is that month versus the month of the year prior. Uh, Raw has been more flat. It's flat throughout the fall uh, in, in uh, Monday Night Football going against last year's Monday Night Football, right? Uh, down in December. Down in December. But up, and I think that would include the, uh, the best of episode for that, this, this delta that's down 8%. But in January and February, 
again, against last year's rumble you know, month and, and February month, up 8% and up 14%. Um, got some, some more favorable comparisons in the demo. Uh, and we do have, a, we do have a negative one here in January for, for the demo uh, for SmackDown. But these are some, some positive stories, I would say, for the rating for, for WWE. Um, so anyway, anyway, uh, what else? Um, did you know there's a lot of wrestling TV, wrestling shows on TV these days? Chris Gull, did you know that? We have another one now. There's another wrestling show on television uh, as, as of this past Tuesday. I hearken back to the days of um, 2018 where I really shouldn't even have this NXT logo on here where the programs that were on linear TV in 2018, the beginning of 2018, I don't, I don't think even MLW was on be in sport at that time at the beginning, at the beginning of 2018, there was only raw on Monday. There was SmackDown on Tuesday. And on Thursday there was impact on, I think pop TV at the time. And I think, I think it was on at eight originally new Japan on access and NXT was not on traditional TV. It was on the network. Thank God it was only one hour long. And that's all the TV. It's all the wrestling TV there was. And the money moon pursued at that time, actually. Now I think about it. Uh, you might, yeah, I think you're right. Or it was 2019. I don't know. I, we would have to look. Anyway. Um, now, in every block, except for one, in every primetime hour, Monday through Friday, there is some sort of wrestling television show, either on cable or broadcast. All three hours are blocked by Raw on Monday. Two hours are blocked by NXT on Tuesday. Now the 10 o'clock hour is blocked by MLW Underground on Reels, assuming that's a long-term deal. On Wednesday, Dynamite is an, is an 8 and 9. If you, I, didn't count, I didn't count Power Slap. I didn't count Dana. I didn't count it. The media's against you. On Thursday, Impact, two hours. The third hour, New Japan on Access. And then Friday, of course, we have two hours of SmackDown and one hour of Rampage at 10. So there is one hour of refuge if you're a wrestling fan, when you can, when you can watch Power Slap if you want to, and and there is no pro wrestling on television. Um, what does any of this mean? Does this matter? Um, you don't have to watch all of it, obviously, just because you're a wrestling fan. You have to. You are forced to watch all this stuff. But, but what it means, if if anything, is I th- it, there's and I oh I know I but there's people yelling right now. I could have I could have included you. What about surprise? You forgot. What about AEW Dark, which is on YouTube? What about AEW Dark Elevation? What about AEW Midnight? What about AEW Dark Chocolate? What about what about NW, NWA Power? What about WWE has two more shows that aren't on traditional TV, but WWE has main event, NXT Level Up, which are on Peacock, I think. And then don't forget Wow, Wow is the uh, the, the third. What is it? It would probably be the fifth most watched wrestling show on all of traditional TV. That's in syndication on usually Saturdays in most markets. So there's more than that. This is this is a very saturated market. And oh, by the way, on Sunday, starting next Sunday, the entire Sunday primetime block is going to be covered by A&E W programming. Biography is going to have eight and nine, and then they're going to go, go through a rotation of different programs, including Rivals and Most Wanted Treasures and the new Steve Austin show at 10. So Saturday will be the only free night. And that, of course, will, will be covered by we're going to have Elimination Chamber on Saturday on Peacock. Sometimes there'll be uh, AEW pay-per-views on, on that night and so forth. So in almost every night of the week in primetime, you can find some first-run wrestling content. Um, it's a highly saturated market, um, much more than it was in, in 2018. Uh, 
there's no shortage of wrestling content if you want to find it let, on, on traditional TV, let alone if you have an internet connection. So um, it's now a great time to get into the wrestling business and try to build a media brand that that makes a, a, a big deal from TV rights fees based on the success that WWE has had recently with its own media value. So now, now would be a great time, right? I mean, we've kind of talked about being oversaturated. I know you, me and you have kind of talked about this in length. Like they would have to have the connections that Tony Khan had to like walk into a $45 million year deal from, from a media company. And I don't know if a media company is going to shell out something like that to a brand new wrestling company. And where would you, where, what's, what's a good time slot for it? <laughs> I, I, I mean, to be honest, it would probably be Thursday competing with impact. Yeah. That, that that's the the weakest competition, yeah. Yeah, you know, d- just to be honest, I mean, Saturday night just seems like it would not do well, but it's free. <laughs> what, about, what about Saturday night, six oh five? Hey, yeah, six to eight o'clock. You're not really competing that much with uh, AWWE pay per views. And remember, Tony Khan wants to no run a Ring of Honor show. Somewhere. You know, obviously, it's only going to be on Honor Club after that whole ordeal. But Wednesday at ten would have made sense if it. it yeah, it, it is the 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 only free block here. But but Dan White's power slap had to take that slot. Um, but anyway, um, so moving on to uh, to other things here, we have uh, the average age. Who would you if you haven't looked at the, the slides already? Go among. Let's let's give you these options: W main roster, WNXT, AEW, Impact, New Japan. And I, I know you're an expert in stardom. Which which of those would you say has the oldest roster on uh, average age? Average age. WWE. Main roster or NXT? Main roster. Main roster. Uh, and who would you say is the youngest roster of those options? NXT. NXT. Okay, so what what, what, what do we have here? Uh, the average age. So I broke this down by men and women based on what division they compete in. And the oldest? So I... So to determine who's main roster and who's NXT, I have to do some methodology explanation here. Whose main roster is, I, I just took the cage match data, which is where all this is from, and said, okay, cage match identifies you as in WWE. Where have you had the majority of your matches year to date in 2023? Have you had the majority of your matches on an event that had the letters NXT in it or in an, on an event that did not have the letters NXT in it? So that's how I determined that. The oldest, let's, let's go with men because... You know, unsurprisingly, the men tend to be older. And the, the answer is New Japan. Average age, they have nothing but men, of course, is 37 for New Japan, which is um, this undetermined category, which may include people who just haven't had matches in, in 2023 yet. Uh, that's also 37. But uh, main roster, WB, the average male wrestler is 36, which is virtually the same as AEW at 35. Um, the youngest is stardom, which has all women, but it's younger than, than anybody else's, uh, roster of women, 25, which is younger than W main rosters, 34, which is younger than NXT's 26, which is younger than AEW's 31, which is younger than impacts 32. Um, AEW has more men on its, on its, has more men assigned to it in cage matches database. I, I assume that these are pretty accurate. I assume that when people are announced as being, you know, in, in AEW, and this probably includes anybody who's, you know, wrestling with AEW through ring of honor or however that should be categorized. Um, AEW has 87 
men. 87. The main roster of WWE has 61. But when you add an NXT in this undetermined category, you do end up with well over 100 men. Um, yeah. So, if there's anything else interesting on this slide here, um, just that, you know, it's, it's, it's relevant around the conversation of like, are there, are there enough young wrestlers being developed either in developmental, whatever developmental means in NXT or, or AW Dark or whatever? Is there, are there enough young wrestlers? And I guess this, this breakdown might give us a better idea where I broke these down into age groups. So basically in just in, in, uh, you know, in, in units of five years. So the age group of 24 and younger, 25 to 20, 29, 30 to 34. So basically your, your early twenties, your late twenties, your early thirties, your late thirties, your early forties, uh, your late forties, and then anybody over the age of 50. Now, W main roster as of right now has nobody over the age of 50, either men or women. AEW though has six. Are you surprised by that? Uh, Yes and no. I mean, I, I know WWE does have some older stars that are in their 40s, like AJ Styles, Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, etc. But, yeah, I mean, when you just think Sting right away, Sting definitely, you know, uh, and now, Christian now, would be over now, 50. And This, is, this has got to be wrong. There is somebody over the age of 50 in NXT. That's got to be wrong, right? Uh, Who would that be? Oh, yeah, I... I mean, it's probably it's not wrong. It's probably not wrong, but I can't think of what that would be. Is it correct that R Truth has been having some matches in NXT? Maybe I'm probably asking the wrong person. Yeah, I don't watch NXT. How how old is Ron Killings? Oh, I mean, R Truth is over fifty for sure. He's fifty-two. Yeah, (laughs) so I I think that's that's correct. Um, But yeah, um, NXT is obviously heavy in people in their late in their early twenties, which is which is good and right, you know. But but I was surprised that. W main roster, and this is excluding people who haven't had any matches, right? Um, but year to date, but they only have one one male wrestler and one female wrestler in their early twenties on the main roster right now. That that is that's a little bit alarming uh, if you're trying to develop young talent into future stars who have value. But would you now? This is not statistical, but would you say that your prime in wrestling has changed? You know, I think when we grew up, it was late 20s, early 30s with somebody's prime. And now we've seen people sometimes don't hit their stride to their mid to late 30s and become big stars. I mean, look at Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles. I mentioned them like and others who achieved. I mean, Sami Zayn has been around for 20 years and now he's achieving this big stardom and he's in his late 30s. If I'm not wrong. It's it's different from uh, from shoot sports, right, where your prime is like, I don't know, maybe in your late 20s. How, How old is Patrick Mahomes? Oh, I, he's like late twenties, but yeah, he's who's the quarterback for for the Eagles? mid to late twenties. Uh, Jalen Hurts, he's he's mid twenties, yeah, early to mid twenties, yeah. And I would I would say by virtue of them main eventing the Super Bowl tonight that they're in their prime. Yeah, I mean, a quarterback's a little different quarterbacks, but like for example, let's just say like the wide receivers that are running backs, like yeah, mid twenties because they start to decrease as they go get into their late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. Now, obviously, there's exceptions. There's Tom yeah. Brady well into his what, face. What's I'm saying? Quarterbacks have a longer prime and, than most positions. And I remember Randy Couture in his 40s winning UFC titles. Um, those are the exceptions, mm-hmm. though, right? And George Foreman in boxing, yeah. Yeah. Um, but certainly, the, I think it's it's kind of like acting, right? It's this is this is a hybrid between 
the performance, the performing arts and sports. And people tend to be older in, in, in prestigious roles, um, versus, versus people in sports, right? You, if we had a list of the highest paid actors, uh, including Dwayne Johnson, let's say, how old is Dwayne Johnson? 50? Uh, we would have a list of people probably in their late, late forties, if not fifties, if not older. Um, and I think in this, this has every, this is very McLuhan-esque and that this has everything to do with media. I think, um, I think if we went back to the nineties, let's say, and said, okay, who, let's look at the top stars, whoever we arbitrarily pick them, think they are. Um, I mean, there's sure there, there were the Hogan's and flares who were well over their forties at that time. Um, but there was also Austin and Rock. Uh, Austin in his early 30s, Rock in his 20s, I believe, at that time, and Foley probably in his early 30s, and Triple H probably in a similar similar zone. Yeah. Um, but I think as as media has become more accessible, and by media I just mean video, I guess, that the star power, the longevity, the longevity, the ability for people to have this lasting longevity has increased. It's something that we've talked about at, at times yeah. before. And, and that Bruno San Martino was not sticking around forever. His because, media? Because people didn't have – sorry. Let me just finish. Yeah. Because people weren't, weren't watching on, on, on video services and on the internet old videos of, of Bruno San Martino that were really well produced or that were even available. His media changed the perception of time. And I mean that – Perception I'll, of time. This is deep. Yeah. And I'll stick it to the rest. Like, okay. Because, for example, like 20 years ago – Today is 2003, and I just feel like that doesn't feel long ago. But yeah. back in 2003, if you ask people about 20 years ago in 83, that felt a long time ago. Was, and then was... you look at a wrestling perspective, like, let's just look at the roster. Like, a guy like Dolph Ziggler has been on the roster like 15 plus years. That didn't happen in the 90s and the 80s in WWF. Like, guys weren't on the active roster for that long and just. Part of that is is that today's wrestlers are not abusing drugs as much. <laughs> Let's say that at the front. But yeah, I, I was thinking the other day about a match I had in 2004. And then I was thinking, that's coming up on 20 years ago. In 2004, 20 years before that, was 1984? Like, what, like Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes at Starcade 84? Like, that, that, that seemed like a very vintage time to and 1984 seemed like a completely different era to me in 2004 to me in 2023 and i assume in 2024 2004 does not feel like such a decisively different era to me and maybe that's just because i am <clears throat> a certain age now and i was much younger then but i don't know i'm sure people have thoughts about that yeah and i just think it shows in wrestling too like you know i just think you know, and, and then imagine the Attitude Era. Let's just say this. Imagine the Attitude Era. There was guys that were stars in the seven still working in spots. Like, you just can't think of it. <laughs> right. It, it would, yeah. I mean, now, this year is different. There's no Goldberg in, in WrestleMania yeah. main events or, or something like that. Um, I think Lesnar's probably going to wrestle Lashley, right? Yeah. Um, but, and he's he's not 50 at least. Uh, but, yeah. But Edge is going to be involved. True. Unless, I mean, there's going to be some of those, you know, late nineties, early two thousands down. Like we just showed, it's it's not it's not even mainly at the moment a WWE thing. No, who it's are, it's AEW too. Who, who are can you name the six wrestlers over the age at least fifty or older in AEW? I, I, no, no, is this a, these are people with matches, right? I, 
maybe not. Because would this count like Mark Henry in the Big Show? This would count Paul White. Paul White, yes. Okay. Uh, and I would say Sting, Christian, uh, Paul White, Christian. Chris Jericho. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I keep keep going. I'm gonna. Um, so Sting, Paul White, Chris Jericho. I don't Christian. think Christian is fifty. Christian's not fifty yet. Really? No. I thought he would have been at fifty by now. No, 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 Mark Henry here. We're okay. We're so he's he's classified here L- not as a wrestler. Luther. <laughs> He's not in here. So there might be oh, people okay. who, just, who yeah. just Cage Match did not have an age for. I, sh- I should have mentioned that at the front. That there are some people who Cage Match just does not know their age. So they could not be counted here. Um, Dustin Rhodes. but Dustin um, Rhodes. Yeah. You said who so far? You said Paul White. Paul White, Dustin Rhodes, Sting, Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho. So you're missing two. Um, one, one of the hottest merch sellers right now in all of AEW. Oh, I get a cut of those royalties. Oh, B- B- Billy Gunn. Yeah. Billy Gunn is 59. And then, uh, you know, we've had some of the chats helping me out with this, too. They mentioned like Dusty Rose, and they mentioned Christopher Daniels. Christopher Daniels is 52. Yeah. Yes. So nobody over the age of 50, nobody even 50 right now uh, who's had a match at least years to date in WWE. And I'll, maybe I should have gone back further to test that because those those people tend to only wrestle on PLEs or something like that. But but yeah, um, I think it's it's. It's something that wrestling has to reckon with in in that wrestlers age wrestlers ability to have. I mean, look, you could make an argue that argument that I've heard people make the argument that Jericho is having the best era of his career right now or something. Right. And it doesn't it doesn't sound outlandish to me. And he is. How old is he? I just had it up. And he is 50. What? Chris Jericho is 52. Terry Funk was 52. Right when he was doing the ECW thing or something, right, and he was like the the, the legend who was on his last legs, right, and um, it just sort of pushes back the longevity of everybody, which in a way is good. You can still extract value to be capitalistic. You can still extract value from these wrestlers for a longer amount of time. That's good for everybody. Well, it's good for companies anyway. It's good for those wrestlers, um, but it just makes the it makes everyone's development have to take a longer time. It makes it lessens the opportunity for young wrestlers to explore their value and for those promotions to explore the value that they could extract from these wrestlers. Um, and it's and because the wrestling business, in terms of age composition, I don't think has ever really been like this. Um, it's it's something that wrestling has never really dealt with. Um, the data on on CMLL and AAA is is not as complete. In, in cage match, I think, but I think that the ages would be even older if we were looking at Lucha. Triple A has a high old average. Maybe, There's a lot of legacy stars in there. The nature of the mask it, it allows people yeah. to, you know, not present their age as much. I don't know. Um, yeah. So I've jumped around a bit here. Um, we'll go on to the next topic unless you have something else to add here. So this is uh, this is our final topic for the day. AEW is on ESPN in Australia and New Zealand and other Pacific Islands. Um, so I've got the uh, the thing up here, don't I? Um, this was announced on Thursday. Basically, you know, ESPN is 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 a channel in in Australia and New Zealand and and various other Pacific Islands, and uh, they will air live sometimes. Apparently, so this is I don't know what time. It, 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 did you know there's actually more than one time zone in in Australia? This is a thing that, that most dumb Americans don't know. There are many time zones in, in Australia. It's not just one time zone. Yeah. Um, I mean, so it's a large country. Yes. And continent, you know. Yes. So it will air live sometimes, it seems, but not every week. So this coming week, Dynamite will air live 
the week after that, it will not air live because ESPN is airing a lot of live sports uh, that that AEW is not going to be the top priority within. Um, so AEW will still be available on AEW Plus on Fight, which is available throughout lots and lots of international regions. That that is the way that people can watch AEW live. I believe in the UK still, uh, as well as a lot of other regions. I think DAZN might have the rights in, in some European nations, um, but AEW Plus is still going to be available if you want to watch AEW live every week in Australia, New Zealand, and other Pacific Island countries. Um, Fight PR has reached out to me and to, and to others to make sure everyone knows that you can still, you don't have to cancel your, your fight subscription, your AW plus subscription, that that is still the way to, to watch it reliably live every week. Um, and they do have dark and dark elevation and battle of the belts. I don't think dark and dark elevation are going to be on ESPN. I'm not sure about battle, uh, battle of the belts. Um, and it sounds like they're going to air the pay-per-views on ESPN as well. Uh, so there's that. I think this is, you know, wrestling fans will sometimes jump into a larger, oh, does this mean that there could be further business between Disney, ESPN, and and AEW? Like, it's just like, you know, WWE having the Disney deal in Indonesia. It's just based on what's available in that region and what makes the most sense. Yeah, I I got the impression that this this deal was in the works for a long time. And um, other deals that this, I'm not talking around details that I know here, but there are other deals that, that Disney slash ESPN may have been exploring with WWE were getting in the way, but finally this deal was finalized. Um, so that's it. You have anything else to, we have any other super chats? No other super chats. Uh, if you want to get one in on in the next few seconds here, go ahead. Okay. What are your, what are your plugs? I, I, uh, very rude of me. I, I cut our show off last week before Chris Gullo could get his social media plugs out there. So, Well, yeah, check me out at Chris Gullo, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I do have some comedy dates coming up. Uh, if you're near the Buffalo area, you can see me at Buffalo Brewing Company this Saturday night hosting a show there. And, uh, uh, and then uh, the stand up. Do yep, you doing like stand up? Um, is that what they call the the MC or is what is that called? I forget. Yeah, I'll be the MC, but I also tell the, the big misconception with comedy is that the MC is also not a comedian. I am a comedian. I will be telling jokes. And I'm tell the jokes. MC. Yes. Yes. And then uh, February 26th, I'll be at a Helium Comedy Club. So there's doing what? There's a, the a opening showcase. act, the feature, and then uh, what, what, how, a traditional comedy show is an opening act, a feature, and a headliner, sometimes headliner. a guest spot. Yeah. yeah. But then there's um, like a host, and that's you. Well, yeah, there's the host is the opening act, and then the guest okay, spot, the and, then and then you the, introduce everybody. The feature, yes, and yeah. Say, hey, everybody, choose. round of applause for for our opening. Yeah, and yeah. You keep, you keep the crowd hyped. Yeah, so I'll be there. I'll be at Helium as part of their Dirty Show uh, showcase on February 26th, and if you want to see the ring announcement, February 25th, I'll be in Erie for Revenge. So that's the rest of my February. Okay, it's on a Saturday night. Yeah, the Revenge is, and then I'll be at Helium on Sunday night. Okay, so you won't be watching Elimination Chamber. Is that true? Uh, this 18th, uh, this Saturday 18th, I will not be, no. Or New Japan's a Battle in the Valley with Sasha Banks. Well, I'm sorry, Mercedes Monet. Ticket sales have been going. I think they're they're virtually sold out for that event. We have we should have been maybe covering that, but we haven't been. Um, yeah, I will be in Montreal Saturday. By Saturday afternoon, hopefully, I will be in Montreal. So I will be attending Elimination Chamber. Um, I will be attending the press conference afterward. Uh, post-wrestling John Pollock waiting. We'll, we'll be in Montreal as well. So excited to, uh, to visit with them again. Um, 
I think that's it. You can follow me at Brandon Thurston and, and, and all that stuff and get so that'll be all. And, and, and do battle. So talk to you on Thursday. We'll be back Thursday, right? We'll be back Thursday, Cole? Yes, we will. Okay. And I'll be doing this live somehow yeah. on Sunday from Montreal at 11. That's the plan. Talk to you then. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.